Hello, welcome to our third episode of the HLI podcast. Today, we're honored to have Yasha Mittal as our guest to share with us on legal and ethical issues surrounding PPE for health workers. Jacob and I, Susmita, have the pleasure of hosting this episode. Yasha, it is a pleasure to have you here. I believe it's been two years since we connected over LinkedIn. Late 2018, you were about to complete your LLM in global health law at Georgetown. I remember we had some interesting discussion about health worker issues. One of those being the recent decision at that time by the Indian government to dissolve the Indian you know, Medical Council and replace it with the Board of Governors while they were uh, considering the bill in parliament. Thanks, Susmita. Thanks so much for having me here. I think uh, I've always been interested in looking at how human rights principles apply to public health issues. Um, as a lawyer, I worked for three years with the Indian government uh, on a bunch of uh, initiatives uh, in the fields of public health and environment protection. One key uh, issue that I worked on was uh, leprosy and basically uh, try to uh, look at issue at try to look at how discrimination against persons affected by leprosy could sort of be uh, curbed. Uh, so for this purpose, uh, you know, I assisted the Indian government in drafting a model law to curb this discrimination. And then we also filed a public interest litigation in the Indian Supreme Court to repeal some of the um, provisions under existing, uh, you know, federal as well as state laws that directly discriminated against persons affected by leprosy. So, um, so that's why like public health and human rights and the intersection of the two has always been, uh, uh, you know, of interest to me. And I think social protections and the rights of health workers are also sort of very important in this sort of framework, uh, which is an issue that I feel is often ignored. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic has brought these issues to the fore now. Exactly. You're so right. I think the stigma and discrimination in the health sector that patients face, like leprosy patients, is such, it's such a huge issue. And also the flip side, also the stigma and discrimination that health workers face. I remember you did share, you know, you know applying, you're very interested in applying human rights principles to infectious diseases. And that's where I suggested, let's explore, you know, the rights implication from a health worker perspective on the availability of PPE or the access to hazard insurance for staff that may contract these infections, you know, from their patients. And this year, some of your observation and insights have been put to the test. But before we even go there, how are you doing in this precarious times, especially given your current UN assignment in South Sudan? And I'm sure your audience would love to hear more about your work as a judicial affairs officer with the UN as well. And thank you for taking this time to do this podcast on a personal capacity. Thank you so much once again for having me. Um, it's really nice to be here. Um, so I am essentially a public interest lawyer. Uh, I'm currently based in South Sudan uh, with the UN peacekeeping mission. I basically work with uh, national justice and security sector actors on a range of initiatives to promote rule of law and sustainable peace. In the wake of COVID-19 pandemic, I am also looking at how justice delivery and prison management sort of plays out in keeping with COVID-19 prevention measures. 
um you know professionally covid 19 has reduced our interaction with you know um, our national counterparts and slowed the pace of our work however things are gradually changing now uh, on a more personal level uh, since my family is in india um, covid 19 has also made it difficult for me to travel and meet my family traveling and waiting at airports has in itself become very tedious lately um, because like we have to wear masks throughout the flight uh, and at the airport throughout and uh, while that is necessary and makes sense to prevent covid um, it also causes me trouble uh, while breathing and it can also cause irritation on my skin so it's been an issue for me uh, but yeah i mean i think um, despite all of this things are gradually changing now and we are sort of getting used to uh, you know living in living in a post covid sort of reality so hi everyone i'm very excited to be on this episode today this is one of the ones i was really looking forward to um being a young a young aspiring lawyer currently in law school i'm always interested to mm -hmm. to understand how lawyers who are doing unique and interesting work kind of got there so I think it would be it would be um, fascinating for our listeners to hear whether you know this is something you knew you wanted to do straight out of uh, out of law school, whether um, it's something that you discovered along the way. So um, I'd be interested to hear a little bit about that. Uh, thanks, thanks for that question, Jacob. Um, so while I was in law school, I kind of knew that I wanted to work on public interest issues. Um, I think throughout law school, like like the kind of courses I took and the kind of uh, you know moot court competitions I participated in, I kind of, I always sort of swayed towards, you know, human rights law or public interest law. And I think uh, this is what led me to join, um, you know, a think tank right after I graduated, where I um, basically provided advisory services to the Indian government, as I mentioned earlier, on public health. Um, and currently working with the UN, um, you know, I'm working with the UN and it has it is essentially a dream come true for me because um, I get to work with and interact with a bunch of different passionate and individual, uh, passionate and driven, um, you know, individuals who are keen to sort of, um, you know, make, you know, drive meaningful change. Um, before this, uh, bef I mean, uh, before uh, my current assignment with the UN, I did short-term assignments with uh, two advocacy organizations in the U.S., uh, one was on sexual and reproductive health and rights, and the other one was on anti-tobacco policy. Uh, both of these assignments were very interesting, and I was essentially looking at South, the South Asia region and the different countries in South Asia and how they are tackling these two issues. Um, and I think uh, I, I would just, uh, you know, now that I'm mentioning, you know, my sort of journey to where I am today, I think it would be, uh, you know, it would be incomplete without sort of mentioning the support and mentorship that I've received from, you know, my professors at law school, as well as my senior colleagues in different fields who have given me valuable advice on how to move forward. And uh, you're one of them, uh, Susmita. And I think um, since we connected on LinkedIn more than a year ago, I believe we have become friends. And I really look up to you for advice on all personal and professional matters. So I'm, I'm grateful that, uh, you know, we've remained connected and, uh, you know, do you're doing some interesting work and I look up to you for, you know, everything that you're doing and hopefully I'll follow in your footsteps maybe in a couple of years. So thanks. 
Thank you so much, Yasha. That is very kind of you. I, in turn, have learned a lot from our discussions, and I always look forward to them. I'm very glad I've been able to pick your curiosity, you know, towards health worker rights, because I think you have the right mindset and you bring in so much, you know, of your legal background into it. So it's been, you know, amazing. And, you know, with that, we'll segue into the blog you wrote for HLI on in the right on PPE and infectious diseases. And, you know, this was written before the pandemic. This was, I believe, in 2019 when we had it published. And of course, the PPE discussion has blown up since then. So I'd love you to share with us, you know, like some of, you know, highlighting the rights. Do, do health workers have a right? You know, how do you describe the importance of it? And and now that, you know, we had seen these in some earlier pandemics, but now given the current situation, have what is your position? I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's stronger. Are there other dimensions that have come into it? I'd love to hear, you know, from you about that. Thanks, Rusmita. Thanks for the question. Uh, I think the significance that PP holds in healthcare service delivery has definitely gained a lot of traction in the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, as we know, under the right to health, under the International Covenant on Economic, Social and Political Rights, we have the access, availability, efficacy and quality, uh, you know, uh, these standards, the AAAQ standards uh, that we use to sort of look at uh, different uh, issues within the health sector. And I think uh, we know that the access, availability and effective use of PPE has also been an issue as observed in past pandemics like Ebola. Uh, however, I think it is only now that during the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic that this issue, you know, the lack of access or the lack of sort of quality access um, to PP has finally gained the attention of policymakers and multilateral organizations because there are severe PPE shortages, uh, especially in developing countries, including India, and they have resulted in the spread of disease and the death of uh, deaths of health workers. So. Um, I think in that sort of, uh, you know, with that sort of background, I personally believe that health workers do have a right to access uh, and avail of PPE, good quality PPE under international law, as well as under their domestic statutes, such as, you know, the constitutions of every country. So it, it, just looking at first the international law aspect of it, I think um, the International uh, Covenant on Civil and Political Rights contains the right to life which is also embodied under the domestic uh, constitutions of most countries across the globe. And I think the right to life sort of encompasses, the right to life of a health worker sort of encompasses the health worker's ability to access and avail of good quality PPE so that the health worker can protect himself or herself, his or her family, as well as the patient who he or she is treating. So um, I think that that sort of right to health, uh, right to life sort of, um, you know, gets covered both internationally as well as domestically. Then if we look at the International Covenant on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights, we also, and we look at, you know, the different rights like the right to health and the right to have a good working environment. Um, th those, those rights also are applicable to frontline as well as, you know, other, you know, workers working in the public health sector. Uh, and many times when, uh, you know, domestic statutes don't provide adequate social protections, uh, international legal standards or international human rights standards sort of provide the basis for providing these protections, you know, through strategic litigation or, um, 
you know, through making submissions before policymakers that these rights are, you know, universally guaranteed across the globe. And so they should be guaranteed domestically as well. Um, and I think uh, the rights uh, of health workers, when they get violated, they also impact the rights of patients as well as the general public. Because um, if, if the health workers don't have access to PPE, they would not be able to contain the virus. And um, if they contract the virus, they will contract, they will give it to their families and those families will give it to other people. So the virus will keep spreading. Also, if the health workers, uh, you know, uh, contract the virus and they treat patients who's recovering from it and who, who perhaps can contract it again because of, you know, different reasons, because we are still sort of, um, you know, discovering COVID-19 and, you know, new strains of it and how it works and whether a patient who's already been affected can get affected again or not. So there are all these different issues that play out. And I think having access to PPE sort of reduces the chances of uh, all those different risks that can play out. Um, I think the right of health workers also sort of corresponds to the duty of health workers. Um, and I, and I would personally equate duty and right um, you know, in the same line in this particular context, because the health workers have a duty to themselves to remain healthy and free of disease, to have a healthy family, to be able to effectively care for their patients without having to worry constantly that they're going to contract the disease, their family is going to contract the disease, or that they won't be able to effectively perform their duty as a health worker. And I think, again, all of this reads into the right to have a safe working environment as well as a right to health of the health worker under the international covenant on economic social and cultural rights thank you that's really interesting and important um i was interested in zooming out a little bit away from the patients and the health workers um uh, side of things and looking more at the government um so in your blog post for the hli you spoke about the um short the ppe shortage during the ebola outbreak in 2014 um, and given that during the COVID pandemic, so much of the public discourse has been around how governments have responded or should have responded to this issue of a shortage of PPE. So I was, I was interested to know, given your knowledge of the shortage during the Ebola crisis, um, whether, whether you thought governments were or should have been adequately prepared for this issue. Thanks for the question. Um, I think uh, this is a very important uh, this is a very important issue. And um, I think governments all over the world have signed on to a bunch of different international documents, which um, require them actually to be adequately prepared uh, to ensure that their health workers have adequate social protections and have access to PPE. Um, I think uh, some of the social protections framework applicable to health workers, we say uh, we can see it in the you know, in uh, international labor organizations, uh, general recommendations. Um, I think one of them, uh, which was uh, number 97, which deals with the protection of workers' health recommend, which is a protection of workers' health recommendation, as well as the ILO convention, uh, which is the nursing personnel, uh, personnel convention uh, number 149. All of them sort of lay uh, a lot of emphasis on the duty of governments to ensure that health workers are provided with PPE to protect themselves uh, and the patients they treat, as well as have, you know, decent work environments, uh, decent and safe work environments to function effectively. Uh, so governments that have signed on to, say, the ILO Charter, as well as the ILO Conventions, 
you know, have an obligation um, to sort of ensure uh, that uh, adequate measures are in place uh, that they to to protect their health workers. Uh, also, like uh, I think uh, the ILO conventions uh, allude to training uh, on PPE and how that is really important for health workers so that they know exactly how to use the PPE to be able to protect themselves as well as people around them. Um, and I think uh, this has been a concern, um, especially while dealing with infectious diseases. Um, you know, we saw that play out, uh, you know, some health workers, how uh, some health workers didn't know how to use PPE during the SARS, um, you know, when the SARS crisis had happened. Uh, and I think a joint WHO and ILO policy guidelines um, discusses this in more detail. And I think our listeners can perhaps look at that if that's of interest. And I think um, if uh, to, to be adequately prepared in the future, if, despite all of this, uh, all of these uh, sort of uh, obligations that governments have, if they are still not prepared and they want to be more prepared uh, in the future, I think grounding uh, PPE requirements and social protections under domestic law and strengthening social the social protection framework applicable to health workers, you know, under law would be, I think, really useful and will definitely, uh, you know, uh, impose strict obligations on um, health uh, healthcare delivery institutions to um, ensure that health workers are provided with PPE when, whenever there is a future pandemic. Yeah, I think picking up on that, you're so right. The implications of PPE, you know, it just gets beyond the fact of just getting infected. I mean, that has is certainly the main concern. As you, and as you related it, it's not only just getting infected for the health worker and the implications of that, but also for patient safety. Like, what happens to the next patient he's, you know, treating, and also to you know their family members during this you know a pandemic. The hardest thing has been hearing to, you know, health workers talk about the issues they're facing from it. A lot of health workers, from what I've heard and, you know, even read in different comments, talked to different people, was where when they went home, they actually would stay in the basement or they would stay in a separate room. They would not be able to talk to their kids. You know, many of them, in fact, rented hotel rooms to stay in and actually not see their family for all this time while they were treating patients. The mental, you know, the mental health effect of that in you know, isolating from your own family members, your friends, I think is enormous. And, and many times, especially at the start of it during March, I remember reading where there was a lack of PP, like you suggested, you know, the coordination, the response was not as it should have been, or it's not what we thought would would even see. And they were required to reuse PPE. They were required to like put them in paper bags, keep it away. Many a times when they were trying to share it with social media, I think there were repercussions from employers because they didn't want them to speak up about it. The guidelines that came out from many organizations were not very clear or they were not mandatory. So it, you know, businesses were able to get away with it. There was a, certainly some things that came out during the pandemic that was very interesting. In the US and cer certain states, we did see where the whistleblower protections were expanded. They were expanding to allowing health workers to really share this information with the social media, not just to their employer when there was a cause for concern. 
but at the same time, I, like you said, there is more to be done and, you know, more has to be looked at, but I think what we cannot discount that this kind of even goes beyond the health sector. It applies to all essential workers, everybody that's working on the front line, like whether it's in a grocery store, you know, and it's even in, in the hospital on a health system, it's not just the health workers that's seeing the patient, it's right down to the administrator who's taking in the patient, the person who's cleaning the facilities. I think being, you know, aware of those the other thing that really came up for focus and to me, I think was very personal was migrant health workers. You know, I myself am a what I'm a migrant health worker. I started in Nigeria, I came to the US and that is what gave it. And we had stories about where migrant health workers who were still on a visa, they were worried that if something happened to them, what happens to their families? there were people that were actually having to write out their wills if something happened to them. They were trying to plan if they died, their family had to leave the country, how they organized for that. And on top of that, you know, health workers, just like the regular populace, have had to deal with day-to-day -day things, whether it's taking care of the children, putting them in childcare, and on top of them having stigma and discrimination, there were issues about where people feel health workers infected and they were getting treated very poorly. You know, last June, I kind of put out a blog on some of the, you know, some of these things and the key recommendations. One of the things that I'm very happy about as the vaccines have become available, we are seeing that they're being given to health workers first, which I think is very necessary to kind of stop them from getting infected, you know, stop them from spreading it. And as we, as you were aware, and you mentioned that, you know, this is not the first time we're seeing many of these things in a pandemic setting. This has been on a larger scale. In your view, are you anticipating future pandemics? And what are your recommendations on maintaining adequate PP stockpiles for the future? I think uh, with the changing climate conditions and the growing population, you know, across the globe, um, I think it is safe to assume that there will be pandemics like COVID-19 in the future, just like there have been pandemics in the past. And I think um, adequate PP stockpiles can be maintained, like I mentioned earlier, if they're mandated under law. And, uh, you know, if there are there is a social protection framework applicable to health workers and they mandate that hospitals and healthcare service providers provide PP to health workers, and there are penalties for violations such as financial penalties or stripping of licenses, then there can be some deterrence and some compliance as a result, which can ensure that there is adequate uh, access to good quality PP for all the health workers. And like I said earlier, like internationally also, we have, you know, uh, the international covenants, the ILO conventions, which provide adequate basis for imposing duties on governments and the policy level to take necessary measures to, you know, implement laws like this, like I just mentioned, uh, which can ensure that PPE is available, in fact. Um, again, you know, compliance of all of this, at least at the international level, can only be ensured through, you know, all these human rights, uh, the different human rights mechanisms that we have under the different treaties, which sort of ensure uh, accountability and transparency, uh, you know, globally and ensure that governments sort of comply with their obligations under international treaties. Thank you so much, Yasha, for that comprehensive look 
you know, at PPE and what it means to the health worker and just for the whole system, our whole health system. I think some of the things that you highlighted, like just to go over them again, one is how it really relates to patient safety and public safety at large and why this needs to be included into our health financing, into thinking of how to strengthen the system. And I really believe that health workers need to be part of that strengthening system to be able to you know, draw on all these reflections, to draw on all those um, you know, lessons from what we had, and or else we just keep repeating the same mistakes. And you're right, there are international treaties and covenants which are ratified by multiple you know, countries, whether it's the ICCRP or the ICESR, and what you alluded to the General Command 14 on right to health, these are you know, frameworks that are already in place and can be utilized to provide the social protection frameworks nationally. Thank you so much for sharing with us all your insights. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Yasha. And before we sign off, did you, either of you want to say a few last words? Thank you so much, um, Susmita. Thank you for having me again. Um, I think, uh, you know, as a, you know, as my last comment would essentially just be that I think COVID-19 has highlighted a lot of existing issues in the health sector across the world. And I think now, you know, governments and policymakers really have an opportunity to plug the gaps that have been highlighted and to ensure that in a few, when there is a future pandemic, we are adequately prepared to deal with it and address it. So that would be my sort of response. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say thank you to Yasha and thank you to Susmita. This, this was a really interesting episode. I really was looking forward to this. This was such a big issue throughout the pandemic and I'm, it still is an issue. And I think that more people need to know about this and care about this. So this was a great episode and thank you so much. Wonderful. Please join us next month second Thursday, March 11th, to explore another facet of health workers in COVID. We welcome your suggestions and comments on our social media pages or email us directly at podcast at healthlawinstitute.org.